in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, my man. How are you? I'm good. A little bit uh, exhausted from uh, five days in Cabo San Lucas, but I can't complain. A little oh. a shade tanner than usual. Yes, yes, you are. And that's saying something. I know. I, I usually start with a base tan, and it just gets tanner as it goes. Exactly. There's people good. at the resort uh, were like, you don't burn. I'm like, yeah, I kind of yeah. start with a tan. Yeah, you're like halfway through the, you know, down the, down the path. Or yeah. I get out there, my Irish white-ass skin <laughs> there was, burned like uh, crazy. There was a guy probably 10 shades whiter than you at the pool. That's And the first day he got there... Um, he looked pretty white, and the second day he looked uh, like a Blackhawks flag. He was, uh, yeah, 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 pretty, yeah. Um, That's funny. Pretty burned up. What's going on, buddy? Got any shout-outs? Because I'm really excited about today's show. We've been chatting with these guys for about a half hour now before the show started, and yeah, there's so much yep. I want to get to. I agree. I concur. Uh, yes, I do. I want to shout-out. I'm going to adjust my volume first. I'm going to shout-out to the Chicago Police Department because they did an investigation and they got made to look foolish by the Cook County State's Attorney and I think they have a thankless job and they were badly mistreated by what has happened with the Smollett thing and I think that they deserve better and I shout out to them because it's just not fair what's going on so that's it well, I didn't have a shout out, but I wasn't going to be able to one up your CPD shout out. Well, I lost it, there. Man. No, <laughs> no. Well, yeah, it's crazy. When I was on uh, the flight coming back yesterday, the uh, lady behind me, um, she had a stop in Chicago and she was going and she's like, hey, did you see the article? And I, had, I hadn't seen it yet. Well, you were drinking and partying. Yeah. Oh. So I looked at it yesterday. I was like, oh, boy, that's mm -hmm. the attorney in me. Mm. Uh, there's a lot to talk about when it comes yeah. to that. But I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's cra it's a crazy precedent that that happened. But oh, it's 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 sad. Yeah. It was a sad day. So I'll well, let it go. <laughs> I will jump into our guests because yeah, I'm pretty psyched about this one. I'm psyched about Absolutely. all of them, but this one I'm really psyched about. Um, Daniel Carcillo, who I'm guessing everybody who's watching knows. We have guests on from time to time, and people don't know their names. Yes. He played in the NHL from 2003 to 2015. If I butcher this, let me know, Daniel. Um, he's won the Stanley Cup twice with our Chicago Blackhawks. Boom. Um, he had a kick-butt nickname, the Car Bomb. And we'll chat about that a little bit and uh, his it. hockey career. Yep. Um, one really cool thing he's doing is the Chapter 5 Foundation um, which I'm going to let him explain what it is because I definitely don't want to butcher this because it's a definite passion piece for him. And it's I very important. advise everybody to go to chapter5foundation.com, mm -hmm. watch the video. It's one of the most powerful videos you'll ever see, mm -hmm. and it tells the story really well. But thanks for coming on. I'll let you tell everybody what Chapter 5 is. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate Absolutely. the invite. Um, so Chapter 5, in its essence, is a transition program uh, that helps – athletes transition into life after the game now what it's um, kind of morphed into the last three and a half years of uh, operating it um, the answer isn't to get somebody a job or connect them with a business professional um, we have to assess how you're doing as a human being um, the sad reality of it right now is that um, guys coming out of collision sports are having mental health complications that they weren't predisposed to because of the repetitive head trauma that they've sustained um, 
So the first thing is to really look at the individual, figure out their needs. Um, and if they do need that help, if they do need that recovery, if they need help to get off of substances, um, then we, we look at that first. Um, if you're not healthy enough, if your cup isn't full, um, you're not going to be able to keep a job, right? You're not going to be able to um, have a great marriage. Like uh, what happened in my experience, which all of those uh, things were tested. And um, I had to look in the mirror, uh, assess the state of my brain, and, uh, and go get help. And after I did that, then things um, started to turn around in my life. So uh, that's what we look at first. And there's some self-discovery. Who are you away from the sport? Um, some education for the family members, wives, uh, brothers, sisters, parents. Um, you know, uh, Derek Armstrong, I think, said it best uh, with athletes. Um, you die two deaths. So you die when you retire, and you die when you die. Yeah. And it's very, very true. Um, you know, it's uh, unless you work in that community, um, you know, you really have to repurpose your life and uh, figure out who you are away from the sport, away from your ego. There wasn't 20,000 people cheering me on on the way here uh, to do this podcast or every, every morning when I wake up, right? So... Um, it's a bit of a different aspect and you're not in a team, um, uh, you're not in that team community. And so just trying to really create a community, um, to help catch guys and just to help them move forward through a really, it's an informal process. Cause in my experience, I didn't do too well with the suits trying to help me through it. I want, <clears throat> I like to listen to people with lived experience and, um, somebody's that's kind of gone through the wall, so to speak. And, and you touched on it before we came on air and you said, you know, it's different for every single person. So, you know, obviously the going away from a sport at a very high level where you have, you know, like you said, 20,000 people cheering for you to that not being there might be similar for each athlete, but there's so much that goes into what each athlete's gone through. If they have a wife, if they have kids and it's seems like until I heard about your chapter five foundation and you coming on the show, there's not that many outlets for people who are getting away from the sport. Do you find that it's kind of just a missing piece? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's enough done on the mental health or brain health aspect of this all. And, um, I would like to see that. I would like to see that changed. I'd like to see, um, whether it's the union or the team specifically take more of an active role in, and helping guys prepare and helping their family members prepare. And we don't pay health insurance. I'm from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been introduced to this healthcare system. I'm now paying over $2,400 a month. Wow. And a lot of my stuff gets denied because it's from the NHLPA and they say I have a pre-existing condition. So like just understanding that in itself is really stressful. And I struggled with it a lot. So, in talking to independent insurance experts and going through the learning process, now I have that knowledge that I can help guys um, decipher what these plans are and what to say so that you do get covered. I'm a grinder. Yeah. It's not from hockey. I have no <laughs> bottom teeth because I grind. Yeah. That's who I am, you know? So. Do you feel as though, obviously, people should have started this sort of education way earlier. I mean, you got out of the sport, it, you grinded your way into getting this education and then opening a foundation. Um, but it feels like they should go back way sooner, way before college or even the NHL. 
Yeah. Um, so the NHL is a little bit different in its development. Um, and when I say that self-discovery is a big piece to transition, it is because specifically for hockey players, I moved away at 16. Um, very young. Yeah. I got drafted to the NHL at 18. I was still in high school. Yeah. Um, and then when I was doing my own laundry and getting a paycheck, I was 19 in a, in a town I didn't, I didn't know anyone in. And, uh, you know, you're cooking your own meals and doing your own laundry and, um, you grow up really quick. You miss that self-discovery phase. At 16, I'm on a bus to Sault Ste. Marie one way, playing a game, seven-hour bus ride, seven hours on the way back. And then I go to school. Yeah. You know, so um, I wasn't going to those house parties. I didn't have, like, real relationships away from the rink. And um, guys have a really – don't have a firm grasp on, on who they are. Yeah. And so that's one of the big reasons why I think it's a little bit difficult um, to move into something post-career and you work so hard, you know, like you are so singularly focused on doing one thing and that is playing hockey. And what goes into that? Diet, who you can hang out with, um, your mental focus, um, and really just showing up at the rink as your best self. In my opinion, if you provide um, good education and, and um, proper help for mental health issues, athletes will inherently be more singularly focused on playing the sport. So owners and GMs and coaches will get an optimized athlete rather than them worrying about the anxiety of schoolwork per se or what's going on at home. If they have an outlet to talk about that, <clears throat> then I think that's a good thing. Right. I think it's um, it's 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 a good thing to be able to leave that where it should be left, which is with an independent professional person that you could unload that onto. Yeah. And I think we take for granted as fans of sports what you had just said about from your very youthful age. You didn't get a chance to grow up. I tell everybody I say I don't think people really mature mentally until they're 25 or 30, they go through that transition process, but you're thrown into such a high stress situation. And then at some point, you have to almost self deal with it, like you said, because there's not an outlet. And uh, I think we all take that for granted. So it's great to watch you guys now bring light to that because I selfishly, I don't think fans think about that. So transition is a human issue, just like concussion is a human issue, right? We all deal with mental health issues. Yeah, everybody Whether does. we want to believe it or not, I don't believe that it's one in five. It might be one in five for a, a neurological imbalance that you're born with, which is mental illness, which I think is different than mental health complications. But I know that we that we deal with it. <clears throat> so the question is now, like, is how do you deal with it? How do you get that education? Who do you turn to? Right. You know, and um, it's something that I would like to see change. Now, the reality is that Everybody's looking at who? At athletes. Right. Right? Um, that's where they get their information from and from social media platforms. So um, for me, obviously, there's some programs that I'd like to see implemented with kids so that when they do get to that stage, they already know this stuff. It's already ingrained in them. But for the guys that have missed out on it and missed out on this type of education, it needs to be provided to them. And if it's not provided to them, then we're going to see guys keep falling through the cra the cracks and, to be very blunt, dying. Yeah. 
and obviously you've dealt with concussions multiple times over and a lot of head trauma. Do you feel as though it got exponentially worse? And you, cause I, we talked off air and we can start chatting about it now if you'd like for people who are listening, you've done a very good job. It sounds like after you've had a lot of concussions, now getting yourself back to that kind of, um, what did you call it? The, uh, uh, so there's, your normal, and yeah. then there's your new normal your after right. brain damage. Right. Um, do you feel like if you had started doing that at your first concussion, it would have made a gigantic difference for your a your career and obviously your uh, your your second career after you retired? I believe so. Um, so, for example, I went to treatment um, in 2013 to uh, the Carrick Institute. I saw the godfather of functional functional neurology. I saw Ted Carrick and was lucky enough to catch him the week that he was there. And after that treatment, now I wasn't um, symptomatic, and Steve Monador actually told me about going there when he came back, begging me for two or three weeks, got to go, come with me, come with me. I'm like, I'm not having any symptoms. And that's the scary thing. When you're stimulated and you're in your life and doing the one thing that you know how to do and you think you're doing it at a optimized and healthy level, you're not, you don't think you're symptomatic. And looking back on it now, I can see my behavior and I was very symptomatic. Seeing Steve come back from that week of the Carrick Institute and fighting him and then seeing him in the gym and seeing that his autonomic system was optimized and uh, his vestibular system, his balance, things changed. His speech changed, the color in his face changed, um, his eyes changed, he was looking me in the eye. So, okay, I'll go. I packed my bags and I went. Um, after I came back from the Carrick Institute in 2013, I won my first Stanley Cup that lockout year, and I believe it extended my career for three years. I also had a concussion that year, and then I had my seventh um, uh, before I retired. And I honestly, I, I don't say this to be dramatic, I don't know if I'd be here if I didn't go in 2013, and then I got my sixth and seventh concussion without that treatment. Um, when I went this past April to the Plasticity Brain Center to see uh, Matt Antonucci, they told me that I was, <laughs> they didn't tell me in 2013, but they told me that I was their worst TBI case that they'd, they'd seen to date in 2013. Wow. You know, but they optimized me. They got me back to uh, a level of, to be honest, I hadn't had treatment since I was 16. I started taking some pretty bad hits uh, from the OHL on. Um, I think they cut my hand-eye coordination down by uh, three milliseconds, which is huge. Huge difference. For an athlete, you're looking for that extra like three to four to five percent. It's huge. Processing speed, being able to process what's coming at you quicker, peripheral spatial awareness, being able to see the hits even at the last second, tensing up your neck muscles, inherently protecting yourself. That's the only thing that will protect guys now is a better functional baseline and increasing that spatial awareness. All the stuff about helmets and supplements is all bullshit. There's no helmet that protects from your brain smashing around inside of a rigid skull because of the G-forces of a hit to the body. That force travels up your spine into your brainstem, and it does rattle your brain. And it's incredible what you said because it it doesn't make any sense for me for – 
for people not to want their athletes optimized like that. He before we came on air, he was showing me how good his peripheral vision is, and it's better than mine. I mean, you've had, she had a lot more concussions than I. Maybe I've had one. <laughs> I boxed a little bit. I, yeah. I've, I've been in a couple car accidents. I think the doctor, when he comes on, will tell me I've had probably more concussions <laughs> than I think I've had. But your your peripheral vision is so good, and you've trained it, and it doesn't make any sense to me for teams and leagues not to want the best athletes so I, I say that this campaign whatever you want to call what i'm doing on social media it's a five-year plan we're almost at the at the end of year one and um i just want people to understand what proper understanding diagnosis and care of a brain injury looks like and I say that this works on three levels. Number one, we want to treat the human being properly, first and foremost. It shouldn't be called sports medicine anymore. These doctors are all conflicted. They all have major relationships to collision sports, yet they're still making our return to play protocol for sport. doesn't make any sense to me, and it's bias. And based off of my experience and the lack of treatment that I got, I don't agree with it. So I want to see that changed. Um, but there's steps that can be taken that will help everybody. So number one, the human being gets proper diagnosis. Number one, understanding of the risks of doing their job, repetitive head trauma, um, and proper diagnosis and care. So he's not leaving the game with a chemical imbalance, and he's not in a situation like Rick Rippon, who had clinical depression. That's a neurological imbalance. You add concussion, repetitive head trauma on top of that, and a chemical imbalance, that's clinical depression on steroids. He committed suicide. When I say the NHL is killing people, I'm... I'm not Should saying that lightly, yeah. you know, Bob Probert, look at what happened to him. Heart attack on a really humid day. Why could his autonomic system have been off his heart rate, his blood pressure, his blood vessel diameter. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. So number two, it works for the fans. They get to see an optimized athlete, better processing speed, less accidental hits. Why are we seeing all these accidental hits? You were saying they couldn't see it coming. They can't see it coming. Millennials are here all day. Now we're growing up. There's a video screen here. Our, our vision is just is so confined now with kids coming up. So expanding that. Um, you optimize these athletes, okay? And they don't have to leave the game with, a, again, a chemical imbalance. And then number three, um, they're less susceptible to injury. So who wins with that? The owners and the GMs. Sure. So everybody wins. The human being, the fans, and the owners and GMs. Now, I say this. I'm not just wasting my breath. I say this because it's going to open some eyes because the NHL will not implement this because they're embroiled in some pretty deep water as far as litigation. Now, March 20th came and went, and we still haven't heard from the NHL about if they're going to accept the percentage of enrollment in the concussion settlement. It's a big deal. Yeah, huge deal. You know, um, because that's going to determine what they're going to do moving forward. Right now, they are not going to change their protocol. They're still going to sell the game on violence, hate, and rivalries. And the protocol's impact. That's it. Impact application test on an iPad. That's it, it. It seems like players should be getting by. I feel like if you obviously have a very large voice in this and you can tell the story from your own experience, but I'm sure players who are out there playing right now need to get behind this too. It's tough. You don't want to look at it. You just, I mean, 
tell a 30-year-old man, like when I retired, financially, somewhat financially secure, with a kid who's seven months old, to stand in front of a doctor, get sober enough to assess the state of your brain after 12 years of professional hockey. It's not easy. Do you think it's just the the tough, the inherent toughness in you guys? Yeah, you just just d- don't want to admit. You don't it. and you don't want the education. Two thousand thirteen, I wasn't asking questions, Doctor right. Carrick, like I am now. I di- I just wanted to do it, get out of there. Oh, now you're good. Okay, thanks, Doc. That's the reality. When you're so inherently focused on just having your body prepared and and your mind as best you can on on doing one thing, which is. Literally, like my job wasn't very hard, but it took all of my focus to be able to, I had mantras in my head to be able to stop myself from snapping. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's things that I had to worry about that I'm sure other guys didn't. But for me, I still did not want, I didn't want that information. And I know a lot of guys don't want that information. I know a lot of guys in the NHLPA that will not sign off on higher suspensions and taking more money for head hits. Guys care about money. Sure. Nobody yeah. knows about escrow. There's a lot that has to happen, you know, like as far as NHL players understanding the inherent risks of repetitive head trauma, brain injuries, subconcussive hits, whatever you want to call them. Forget about CTE. Forget about that word. Brain injury and brain damage lead to neurological degenerative diseases. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Brain injury and brain damage lead to neurological degenerative diseases. Forget about CTE. And without proper treatment and training like like you've been telling us, you can't go back to that new normal. It's just It's, it's very hard to get there. I've spent time. hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm I don't say this to be dramatic, man. I'm honestly thinking of selling my Stanley Cup rings. Um, to continue to be able to do treatments, um, to continue to be able to support my family. I did an article just about like what I've lost as far as personally, financially, by doing what I'm doing, what's been kind of taken from me. And I, c- I can't sit here and not expect that that was going to happen, but that's a reality. And so um, moving forward... I have to figure out ways that when I told you your cup has to be full to be able to do like the advocacy work, to be able to just be able to get up and be present for my family. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot of money that I have to spend. And so I get mad, right? Like some days, man, I'm frustrated. I'm angry because how can I be in this position? I'm 34 years old. Yeah. Two Stanley Cups. And why is all my money going towards treatment going towards being able to get up not having suicidal ideation and depression and anxiety just take over my life yeah it's ludicrous that um with how much money is in these sports and how hard you guys have worked for since you were well you start playing way before 16 i'm sure Mm -hmm. when you start playing four years old four years old playing Playing and hitting playing and hitting that something isn't done sooner so that you don't have to worry about that in your 30s. And th- 34, you're young. I mean, <laughs> the average uh, life expectancy doctor, and we're going to get to him in a second, 80-ish now for a male? 79. Yeah, 79, 80. Um, it's a parabola curve. And because of what I said about brain injury, brain damage, like everybody's kind of running with, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get CT. Oh, I had a concussion. Doc, am I going to get CT? 
you've had brain injury, a brain injury, right? And you have brain damage. Now, we know a stat, like three or, three or more traumatic brain injuries, you're 80% more susceptible to early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinsonism. Like, we know that stat. So just take that stat. You know, yeah. they could have told us that. That's my yeah. thing, man. I started in 2006. Dr. Carrick's been doing this since 2003. Uh, there's a doctor at the University of Cincinnati and Joe Clark who's been doing, um, who's cut down the NCAA football concussion rate by 80% since 2010. Like, why are these people out there doing really good things? How does a league that's worth $4.8 billion not implementing any of this stuff and protecting the, their employees? It's ludicrous. You know, I, like yeah, it's, insane. it's tough. It's tough, you know. John had a question. John, do you want to ask it? Because I wrote it and it was long and my eyesight yeah. is pretty poor, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you made mention uh, a few minutes ago as far as some of your behavior. As you look back now, some of your behavior back then showed you that you had you were symptomatic. And I'm just curious what it is that you were able to look at now, looking back, that made you think that? Oh, man. My substance abuse, um, my anxiety, not being able to sleep before games, insomnia uh, before some nights, um, which leads to, again, things that you're not predisposed to, that you don't understand, that you haven't been educated on. Well, what's the easy route is to numb stuff out, mm -hmm. right? And uh, we're overprescribed and undereducated in that regard as well. Um, my impulse control issues, my isolation issues, mm. um, oversleeping, undersleeping, um, not being, not wanting to communicate with any of my family members or friends when stuff got bad. Like everybody kind of knew when things were, you know, going bad with me. Uh, mm -hmm. I would just, I would isolate, you know. Um, but I, th again, I was just like, ah, I like to be alone. And I do. I love my alone time, you know. But sure. those are, what I just listed are, are telltale signs. Um, yeah. I mean, th and that's a list. Yeah. I mean, my speech was uh, really slurred. Just recently, I can feel it kind of reverting back. Like, it's been a year since. Yeah, you sound great. Um, yeah, but in my mind, you know, I'm, I, I can, I can hear it. I can, I can, I can, uh, I know when things are starting to slip back and when I need to go back for treatment, hmm, you okay. know, um, this is something that I constantly, I believe I have to work on to keep it, you know, and, uh, that's why I think a lot of people don't know about functional neurology and, and it's work, Yeah, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's not as easy as. Um, opening up a pill bottle or taking no. a supplement, but in working for something, and you also know that it's really rewarding and you get results. Sure, sure. You know, so but, which I have gotten, and none of it, none of it's really covered by the NHL insurance for retired players. No, I get a letter back uh, from the organization saying it's unreasonable treatment. That's un unbelievable to me. And I'm, I'm gonna, wow. I plan on taking a picture. And showing everybody uh, all of my claims that have been denied, not only by the PA, but the Blackhawks, because I have two workers' comp cases open mm -hmm. with the Blackhawks. My last two concussions were with the Blackhawks. Mm -hmm. And um, full disclosure, they're trying to settle it for ten grand each. That's how much they think a brain injury is worth. Mm. Oh, it's, a, it's unbelievable to me that with as much information and data as 
you said since 2003 has been compiled that it's unreasonable to cover these things for athletes that have played for fans and made these teams and the NHL billions upon billions of dollars every single year. To me, I think it's, it's, it's insanity. It's criminal. That's why they're in litigation. <laughs> What's the NHL's protocol now when somebody gets a concussion? So if, so, if somebody gets hit hard and they have a concussion, A, and we're going to talk with the doctor about this and how MRIs don't typically pick up all the concussions because we spoke off air about it. I'm fascinated about that. What's the protocol today? If you got hit hard or you hit somebody hard, what's the protocol? Does it work? Um, I can't speak to what it is today, even though I know what it is. Um, in 2015, for me, it was talking to, I mean, I wish I was talking to somebody with the knowledge of George. Um, literally, it was the orthopedic surgeon asking me questions, looking at my eyes, Um and making a decision whether I was fit to play or not. Um, and, I mean, you could talk to George about it. It's tough to trick them, you know. But should an orthopedic surgeon be doing a... Um, should, no. be, should he be looking at my head? No. no. Should a strength and conditioning coach and an athletic therapist be mm. looking at my head? No, especially because okay. you're, you're you're inherently tough too. So you're not. So you're gonna right. lie, yeah. right? And there's ways. Number one, so even for the impact test, so we do a functional baseline in the NHL with impact applications. There's been zero research that they've ever put out on impact impact applications. That's because it only works forty six percent of the time. Wow! It can be gamed, and we game it. You better believe we game it. Number one, we game it. You might look at me and, well, you're stupid and you put yourself in this situation. Well, you don't know what you don't know. If you right. don't understand the risks and you're not being educated on them by the league that you are working for, how do you know how dangerous it is to game a, com a computer system like that right. that's going to identify if you are okay to return to play? It's, it's you know, it just shouldn't be done, right? Yeah. And so we talk about like functional baselines and multi- Modal approach, checking you know five, six different systems if you're UPMC um, to really identify if somebody is is um, is hurt. You know if they still have that chemical imbalance on their brain, if their uh, processing speed is slowed down, if their hand-eye coordination is is off, their vestibular system, their balance is off. All really important things for hockey players and human beings in general. You well. Know. I'm going to bring on the doctor for a second so we can do um, ask him some questions in a roundtable because I'm fascinated to hear about um, how he got involved in this. Um, Dr. George Michaelopoulos is a chiropractic neurologist with the Neurologic Wellness Institute. He's been a chiropractic neurologist for 29 years. I'm going to let him explain what that is too because just like with uh, his foundation, I don't want to butcher that. Um, okay. It's a medical term of art, so I'll yeah. let you go ahead and explain that. So, uh, yeah, uh, I've been a chiropractor for 29 years, but a functional neurologist, actually a chiropractic neurologist for about six years. I started this about 10 years ago. And uh, basically, um, you know, uh, there's, there's 12 chiropractic neurologists in the state of Illinois, and there's three that are actually fellowship trained under Dr. Carrick in Illinois that all work at uh, the Neurological Wellness Institute. 
uh, which have extra another additional three years of training for concussion, rehab, brain injuries. And uh, so basically what functional neurology is, is um, it's, it's simply a term. It's not like um, it, I'm a chiropractic neurologist, but we practice functional neurology, which is a term that, that uh, we use to describe evidence-based procedures um, in vestibular rehab, visual rehab, proprioceptive rehab with a huge understanding of neuroanatomy and how all these pathways work. And um, uh, we want to kind of strengthen these pathways um, to increase uh, and enhance human, you know, human function and human performance. For so, athletes and non-athletes. because yeah, for everybody. We, we yeah. were speaking off air, and for anybody who's watching and saying, well, I, I don't play any combat sports or any contact sports, you could take a guy like me, and actually I'm going to come see you after this because it's fascinating to me that you could take somebody like me and then optimize all the rest of the things that I'm probably missing that Daniel was talking about. Yeah, I mean, um, I know that you know we talked about a whole bunch of things off air, but uh, um, a lot of times people don't even know that they have have a concussion, okay, or they... Uh, they get these subconcussive hits and say, ah, "I feel a little bit off." And and these are the sub these are the problems where they say, "I really didn't get, I've never had a concussion." Or or somebody comes in and and they've been suffering for you know two years post concussion or three years and they've gone through the gamut of of all these therapies and they come into us and say, "Well, I got this one concussion." Well, what do you do for a living? I, I you know I play soccer, and so so these soccer balls are like bricks. Okay, they're not. Mm. Uh, they're not, uh, uh, you know, soft Nerf balls, yeah. and and they're coming at 40, 50 miles an hour. You're hitting it with your head, and you're getting all these subconcussive hits. If you, if you're not knocked unconscious and say, "Hey, look, I, 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 uh, I," that's the one concussion I remember that I got. Well, you probably had 50 or 60 smaller ones before that that just keep accumulating, and uh, and you know, the the big one was the straw that broke the camel's back type of thing that uh, that put you over the top. So, I, uh, so basically, what we what what we do is basically is we we examine uh, you know brain functionality. We know kind of what where normal is, and we know where abnormal is, and we need to to when people come in, we'll say, okay, this is where you are. This is we know that this these by looking at what Daniel was talking about with vision therapy or looking at the eyes. This is the window to the brain. You cannot make these. Uh, uh, these eye movements without some part of the brain lighting up, whether it's the cortex or the, uh, or the, uh, you know, the frontal lobe or the parietal lobe or the temporal lobe, or even the, the brainstem. And the brainstem is where, um, you know, that's where life is. That's where your autonomic nervous is. That's where your blood pressure is. That's where your heart rate is. We get kids that come in and they get concussion. All of a sudden they're sitting in that chair and their heart rate's 130, 140 mm. beats a minute at rest. Mm. And they have no idea why, why uh, why they're tired okay or they're sleeping too much or eating too much or or uh, I got headaches I can't uh, uh, I'm tired I don't want to go I can't focus I can't concentrate I'm depressed I've got anxiety all these things just keep adding and adding and adding and when you're done when you do um, the, the the problem that I see with with a lot of these concussion rehab um, uh, programs is it's an algorithm for them and they go okay just like you know what I'm talking about, but uh, it's like week one, you're going to do this week two, you can do this week three, you're going to do this. And then after that you're done, but it's not one size fits all. There's so many different, uh, every concussion is totally different and it's unique to every person. And it's got to be customized to make sure that we 
drive the pathways that need to be driven and we have to find a way to do that and uh, and that's what we do that's what we're really good at one of um uh, two points number one indycar series uses the eye pass to track eye movement can't cheat it yeah can't be gamed that could be something that could be implemented pretty easily um and then they actually attach that functional baseline to accelerometers in the driver's ears. If they get into a situation where they have a hit, they hit a wall, uh, the accelerometers read the G-forces, and we know a minimum amount of G-forces that may cause injury, and it, it reads that back to the computer system. So this driver's pulled, and he's put through um, protocol right away. And not only that, they have this information um, uh, pre-injury, right? So they try to get him back and optimized back to that sort of old normal that you that we call it, you know. And um, I'm blanking on on my uh, on my other point, but it'll probably it'll probably um, come back. Oh, the Carrick Institute. The first time I went there, they say it is individualized, and they say that um, we treat um, the not the person with a condition, which is concussion or brain injury, we treat the condition that we find in the person. Mm -hmm. So they look at each individual and make you a personalized program accordingly, what they see in me, what they're gonna see in you. Um, and he helped, to his point about not knowing, my neighbor fell off of a 12-foot roof. You know, and he was describing all of the post-concussive sim symptoms to me. I'm like, man, you have exactly what I have. Or what I, yeah, what I have, I still have it, you know, just to a lesser degree. He fought me, again, just like I fought Steve. Talking to people about brain health is scary, particularly men, um, and they will not seek treatment until their quality of life gets bad enough. That's right. the reality. That just, it's just like talking to a drug addict. And I've been addicted to opiates, so I fucking, I know both sides of it. They will not seek help until their quality of life gets bad enough. And that's the sad reality, and that's why I push so hard with education and awareness to recognize those signs and symptoms, to be able to move into proper diagnosis and care, proper diagnosis and care. That's from the Carrick Institute. And it's, it's crazy to me that IndyCar is doing it, because IndyCar is big, I race cars, but they're not NHL, NFL big. They're, they're at a... I don't think they have that sort of money and that uh, sort of... I don't think so. I know that the NHL just moved into fifth place um, in sport-generating revenue behind the Premier League, so congratulations yeah. to them. Yeah, it's just it's crazy that IndyCar is doing something that, in your words, can't be gamed, but some other folks aren't. And I agree with you. I'm sure guys, professional athletes are inherently, again, much, much tougher, and guys don't ever want to admit they have something wrong with them until it's, like you said, too late. And my guess is that even if the treatment's individual, doctor, as two or three or four concussions go by, does the post-concussion uh, syndrome get that much more difficult to treat? Well, uh, so some people don't believe in post-concussion syndrome, okay? Uh, but there's a, there's a diagnosis code. It's in the DSM uh, book that says there is something. That other There's other neurologists out there that say, look, there's no such thing. And, and But... The more that you accumulate these micro traumas that aren't the first one you get, let's say it's subconcussive, you don't even know you have it. What's going to happen is your brain will compensate. Just like if you twist your ankle 
and you go, oh, that hurts a little bit. In two or three weeks, it'll get better on its own. But what you've done now is you've compensated. And the same thing happens with a lot of these subconcussive hits. You will compensate. And the way you'll compensate is your eyes, okay, are um, kind of connected to your neck muscles and your brainstem. So, so what will happen is your neck will get tight. And you don't even realize it. Say, oh, you know, I got, you know, I've been playing soccer and I, or playing hockey, I got cross-checked from behind really didn't get bad and what will happen is you you start to keep compensating and compensating and so it's it's the same thing as you limping with your ankle your brain's limping until your buddy just horses around with you and goes oh my goodness all my these huge symptoms came out of nowhere I was just horsing around with a buddy of mine but it's almost like the scales tip and uh, and and you just go over the top and I know we were talking about CTE um, but you know CTE the scary thing with CTE is you can have symptoms of a concussion, okay, and think, oh, my goodness, I'm going to get CTE, or you can have no symptoms, okay? You can have all these subconcussive hits and continue to build these massive proteins in your brain mm. uh, that can't get cleared out, and, and you'll say, that just came out of nowhere, right? So <laughs> Brain injury, um, like you can yeah. agree, brain injury symptoms are the same as CTE symptoms. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like that's, yeah. And the misnomer out there is <clears throat> that study, the media, again, the media plays such a big role in this. They highlighted um, the results. They didn't highlight all of the um, biases. You know, yeah. like there's some glaring, um, some glaring things that they didn't do. Like, for example, they took 111 guys who are very symptomatic. Mm-hmm. Usually, then you take 111 guys who aren't symptomatic sure and then you publish right um there's no african-americans in the study 70 percent of the nfl is black yeah um there's just there's a lot of really weird things that um came out of bu but you have to also understand if you look at what they're trying to sell they're selling ct right um they're also trying to cure a neurological degenerative disease they're also killing a lot of guys todd ewan is one of them you know he committed suicide specifically because of that narrative and specifically because he thought he was going to die of cte uh the lancet um uh medical journal they did a um wrote up a big paper which uh, with a bunch of of the doctors who sit on the international consensus group and the head, neck and spine committee and, um, addressing that thing, you know, addressing that very thing about the hysteria caused by CT. So CTE symptoms are the same as brain injury symptoms. And if you move forward with brain injury symptoms, there's treatment for brain injury. Um, and you know, there's, there's people out there that have go look at Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, get his book. He wrote down notes and, um, he actually got treated by UPMC, you know, which that worked for him, you know, and uh, it's not a one shoe fits all kind of deal again, because it's so individualized, you know, sometimes, you know, the reality is, and I'll, I'll just put this out there, like chiropractic neurology or functional neurology might not work for you. So what else can you do? You know, like in my experience, like cranial sacral was great in like decompressing my head pressure and migraines and even my autonomic system, you know, if you look at what cranial sacral can do, it's amazing, you know. Um, 
moxa acupuncture was huge for my neck and my spine i had so many depressions i couldn't feel my spine going into my head there was so much inflammation so uh, linda ho in beverly hills was amazing for that self-deprivation tanks unbelievable i love them it, you know there's there's so there's so many things we can do it's crazy to me that it, it took so long for you to have do those things and you're so well educated on all these different treatments now i go back to it, I, it it's crazy to me that this stuff isn't just introduced so much sooner because both of you are talking about so many different symptoms that can pop up where your neck hurts and yeah you just think to yourself well i lifted weights yesterday and i shrugged a little stupid and now my neck hurts but it could be going back to something that's so much more severe that I just can't believe there's not an implemented treatment system or at least an education system for you guys. Because what you touched on, if you had known this stuff way before, whether you were tough or not, you would have at least been thinking, it's no. probably a good idea for me to do some of it. You plant that seed, um, just like the seed that was planted about what opiates are, it's synthetic heroin and how to get off of it. It's always there. Right. So you always know you shouldn't be doing it. If you get that education and that seed is planted early and then it, each year, each month, there's new studies coming out and you keep feeding them the information, you know, you keep watering the seed, the plant grows and yeah. it's there and then you can't, you just can't ignore it. You well, know? then you have, you know, you now have a family, you start to think to yourself, well, I have, I have to be good for another 40, 50, 60 years. I got kids, I got a <laughs> wife now. So you, you, I think if this education platform gets introduced so much sooner, and like you said, the seeds planted, and people at least start to consider it. It's just, it's truly astonishing <laughs> that it's not a part of it in the sports. I think the scariest thing, honestly, the scariest thing that I think about is not dying, is not getting early onset dementia or Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. Uh, it's if that happens at some point in my life, I do not want my wife and kids to see me go through that. You know, that's the one main thing that pops in my head that I try to push out. Um, that's my only concern, you know. And then if I do get that, I'm going to document it. You better believe I'm going to be on camera every day documenting it so people know what this is. I do a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of videos um, because I want all of this documented, you know. Well, kudos to you for doing that. I mean, it's more athletes and uh while they're playing or after they're done playing, start to do this, especially because you guys have a big following. You know, people love you guys and um, they followed you throughout your career. If more athletes did something like this, they um, people will hopefully be forced into doing something. Yeah, and that's way. yeah, that's um, that's the goal, right? The ultimate goal is to is to work with professionals. I'm not a doctor. I don't have years on my life to go back to school. I'm just not going to do that. So you have to find like minded people that. And I have in Dr. George and a lot of the doctors in the Carrick Institute that not only have saved my life, um, because it has, those two visits most definitely have saved my life. Um, and now it's about making sure people recognize signs and symptoms and that there's awareness. There's people like him in Chicago right now that if you don't need your life saved, guess what? He can optimize you. Yeah. Right? No. Optimize your performance, you know, even if it's not from a sport perspective and that's why you're thinking of going yeah, to see him, right? I would love to go see you because I feel like you like you said you have your brain and it's fragile we again spoke off here about how fragile mm -hmm. it is 
why not be optimized in everything I do every day? Right. You know, whether it be work or I'm doing a triathlon in two months, why not make sure that I'm optimized? You have a lot of shout outs, yeah. by the way. You have Phil says Dr. George rocks. You have Kathy Pinto that says Dr. George rocks. You got Eric William that says Dr. George is the man in caps. Love this. Um, John, I think you had a question too. Before uh, I, yeah, actually, I do. Like, okay. and, and I just want to interject before I forget this, but if you want to learn about concussions and signs and symptoms and proper understanding and diagnosis and care, organizations like stop going to Pierroth. Don't have her come and do her presentation. Hmm. Okay? Have Dr. George do it. Call Dr. George, and I can go with you, or you can go on your own. Have somebody that is actually treating individuals properly and diagnosing, diagnosing and caring for people. Are you a season ticket holder for the Blackhawks? Uh, well, next year. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't even do that, you know, because in my mind, relationship psychology 101, our relationships inherently bias us, yeah. okay? And, and in no uh, way, shape, or form is that more relevant in sports medicine. Right. So making sure that he's not attached to the Blackhawks. Right. You know, and so he has no stake in the game. He's not trying to rush you back. Yeah. He's going to try and optimize you you and trying to get you better. However long that takes, that's how long it's going to take. You know, like I just I really want people to understand my next year is taking these doctors who've been on this consensus, international consensus committee 30 out of the 40 have major relationships to collision sports. So year two is to go in and to highlight the names of these people and their relationships. These are where we're getting our information from, athletes and parents, about returning to play protocol for a sports concussion, which there's no such thing. Did did you describe your concussion as a car accident concussion? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. I got, yeah. You said I got a concussion in car, car accidents. Accident. Yeah. You didn't, yeah. right? Sports. So sports concussion, Yeah, I got a concussion playing sports. Right. Mm-hmm. Fall concussion, your grandmother falls, gets a brain injury, or concussion. Oh, honey, I got one of those fall concussions last week. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> nobody concussion. says that. So what? what is this term, sports concussion? Yeah, so it's really a concussion. It's and a, it's yeah, a it's just uh, it's a brain injury, consensus. and they use consensus. that. They use that uh, because when you go to court, you're confused right now. I yeah. can see it. <laughs> I was confused for like a year and a half. John's probably confused. Guess Always. what? Guess what happens when it gets to juries? Yeah, you confuse. Everybody's confused. Yeah. Okay, so like my next year is like really delving into who neuropsychologists are and their role in industrial medicine back in like the 20s and 60s, getting workers in the mining industries back to work quicker. Sports medicine is an updated version of industrial medicine, and they don't have the athlete's best interest in mind. So when I say this, I I want people... I've said this to you. He gets shit on all the time by medical professionals. Just snake oil. You get shit on because he's not part of that international consensus group, and neither is Doctor Carrick. Yeah, you know this is this is not like George anatomy. Okay, this is neuroanatomy. This is the stuff that the neurologists learn, the pediatricians learn, that everybody learned, and and now they're getting they're getting into saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna refer them for vestibular rehab. The problem with you know the the vestibular rehab that 
other disciplines have learned is a weekend course, mm. okay? It's not a weekend course, okay? It is like thousands of hours of, of work, and, and your brain really needs to know, it really needs to know just two things, okay? It needs to know, number one, where you are in space. It needs to know where your hands are. It needs to know where your feet are. It needs to know where your organs are. It needs to know where uh, every piece of body is on you and needs to know where space is around you. And the things that calculate that are your vision, your vestibular system, and your proprioceptive system. And and if you, all the input that comes into your brain goes through the pupil into the back of the retina and then transposes onto this area of the back of the brainstem, which creates these maps in your brain, okay? So if you're walking down the hall and uh, and you're bumping into stuff, okay, you're skewed. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. You're bumping yeah. into stuff. There's, there's a skew there. There's. It's because these maps are off a tiny bit. And so we're able to, before this gets worse, okay, uh, we're able to kind of remap those uh, those areas of the brain and uh, and make sure that, you know, you don't have a fall or you're a hockey player and, and you don't see this guy coming like 12 one-thousandths of a second before and now you got another concussion, Okay. But if you're able to expand, like what Daniel was talking about, with your your peripheral vision, and be able to decrease your latencies, increase your reaction time, uh, be able to uh, have better spatial awareness by doing these these exercises, and not just go down this algorithmic, oh, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, and then all of a sudden you don't have a concussion, go back to uh, go back to uh, you know, go back to work. What would you like to see? Maybe not even just the NHL, but collegiate and high school programs start to do for kids. Because by high school, most contact sports, and correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel, but in hockey in high school, they're hitting, mm-hmm. they're pretty much hitting full-blown. Yeah. yeah, there was an I article so. this week that came out that um, that's some of the most um, alarming injuries are happening in high school, high school. Canadian yeah. high school and American high school. Um, kids are just not skilled enough uh in skating and balance and um it's a it's it's getting vicious so rightfully so coaches parents are concerned and they're thinking about actually taking hitting out of uh high school hockey which i think would be a really good idea i honestly do i think to answer your question i think the big thing is that the 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 impact test that daniel's talking about is is you know it's not a bad test okay but it's a good test when you try when you try 100% every single time you do it. So so when Daniel was saying, you know, you can game it, well, if you're, number one, if you get a concussion, well, first of all, you know, a, a lot of these kids in high school, let's say they're football players, they have to take the impact test and, and they'll score whatever. It's like a video game for them. They want to get the best score they can get. So let's say they, for example, they score like an 80, okay, and they get a concussion and the coach says, okay, uh, how you feel? He goes, I feel pretty good. Well, you got to retake that test and got to get an 80 or better, Okay. Well, if he gets a 70, he can't play. Now the kid says, I don't feel like I have any symptoms, and uh, I feel like uh, you know I can play, I can play, I can play. So now he's got to miss a game or two or three until he does his stuff and passes his test again. Well, next year what he can do is he can go on uh, – uh, he's got to retake the test again because it's an every-year thing. Next year he can say he can go a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. So his score is now a 70. Okay, so now even with a concussion, okay – he can still pass this test and because he was able to game it. The stuff that we do is objective. You cannot fake a reflex, okay? Mm-hmm. If you do, you either are faking it, we caught you. 
number one, or number two, you got a brain tumor, you can't play anyway. Some, right. Something's going on that's serious where you cannot fake these eye movements, you can't fake these reflexes, you can't fake your balance. We're checking your 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 uh, your balance and your coordination. Your your every single corner of your brain is getting checked during this exam, and I think. That and, and we also do a neurocognitive test. We do it through uh, Cleveland Clinic, the C3 Logics, it's called. And so once you combine all these things, now this is a comprehensive uh, uh, baseline test that checks and tests for brain functionality. And now we know where this kid is, okay? You, you can't really tell. that The only research that's been done on, on impact, okay, has been by the company that owns it. And okay, the two been, doctors there's no, there's who no, have yeah, very, no very, very strong relationships to the NFL. Mm -hmm. Just go look at who the two doctors are. And what I've learned is that my data, not mine, yeah. guess who owns it? NFL? They do. Yeah. No, wow. those two doctors. They have all this data, right? There's millions, I think, or hundreds of thousands of kids using this. Oh, yeah, millions. So... Yeah, they have all this data usually like what's this data is like gold they'd be mining it every year why haven't they they haven't because the data is not good there's no test retest reliability no so, it, that, that's there's none that was an independent I, test that was and how could there be yeah. so like when you're talking and you're saying <clears throat> like you can't game these i'm a company do i want a sick employee or do mm. i want a healthy employee Right. Like, why wouldn't these yeah. teams be taking uh, an approach where we want the healthiest hockey players to be able to perform the tasks we need them to perform at the best of their ability? Why would we want somebody who might be hindered in hand-eye coordination because um, their ocular system or vestibular system is off? It, why would we uh, want I, that? I think, I think they're coming around. I mean, some some of the some of the like some of the teams are really coming around. I mean, I've noticed that. Now, some are just, you know, they're just, they make a lot of money, they don't really care. But other teams that really want to win and uh, and they really care for their employees, for their, I mean, they're an asset. It's an asset of your of your company. And, uh, and then, you know, you talk to some of the players or some of the, uh, even some of the junior players, right? And they say, well, look, if I get hurt, Okay, there's another guy waiting to take my spot too. Right. So, uh, so that's got to get back to play yeah. as quick as you yeah. can. And and uh, and so that's why, that's why, you know, they think that maybe the, the the smaller leagues. Okay, I don't want to bash NHL, but the smaller leagues are are. Well, it's uh, not bashing. We're just we're this, we're these talking about I mean, a reality, yeah. man. Yeah. This is a reality. This yeah. is a fact. It's a fact right now that yeah. there's no neurologist yeah. mm -hmm. on the staff of the Chicago Blackhawks. It's a fact, mm -hmm. right? And what happened with Corey Crawford this year? What's happened in the past? Yeah. I'm just. These are yeah. facts. Yeah. These are all out public information. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it's it needs. Look at the look at the history. Of the Blackhawks, Stan Mikita, Bob Probert, Steve Monador, yeah. Ray Emery, myself, Nick Boynton. They do not have a very good record treating human beings for brain injuries. It doesn't and it seem needs like it. to change. You know? it, it, it just does. You know? And as long as I'm still living in this city, 
I'm going to try my best to highlight this. And it's, I, I swear, it may come off negative to some people, but it's just these are all facts. Just like what I talk about these doctors, they are all facts. They're facts because if they're not facts, there's a defamatory lawsuit coming my way. They're facts. Well, I think you know? there's what you're doing is incredible because there's probably a lot of people who have had certain feelings similar to yours when they're you know either playing or retiring who just don't take the time and effort to obviously learn everything you've learned because just sitting here talking to you, you sound like you've done 20 years of research on this topic and it's it's you going through all of your own difficulties and being very candid about all the things that were difficult to you and your family and then putting it out there. And I'm sure a lot of people are not happy about you putting it out there, but what you're going to do in turn is open a lot of people's eyes, not just athletes, but fans to what you've gone through and what a lot of your peers are going through, because it is insane as a lay person to sit here and think that what you guys are saying that these large sports bodies should do is not being done because one, it's going to treat you guys more effectively. But two, it seems like with everything you're saying, doctor, the preventative part of it, I mean, it, if you just get the athletes to a to a space where they're just more optimal, like you guys are saying, and it's even a tenth of a second or a millisecond, and they avoid a concussion, yeah, well, huge. then your athlete's not going to have a concussion. They don't have to sit out. They're healthier. Your team does better. So to me, it's it's insanity that let's say you know Daniel said that some doctors will um, you know uh, not believe that this is a real treatment or it's snake oil. It definitely can't hurt, you know. Yeah. Even if somebody thinks that it's it's not right or it's incorrect, even though we know from your experiences it works, what's the downfall of giving these athletes the treatment? It like, doesn't seem like there's a downfall. Yeah, here's here's what we do at our at our clinic, okay? And and normally I'm like when I started really seeing concussions about five six years ago, like a lot. Uh, I was the thirtieth, twentieth. 40th doctor that they'd gone to and they come in and and the parents are pretty you know the moms want to help their kids the dads are pretty stoic on oh what are you going to do that the best neurologist you know that we went to went to the best and the best and the best and i go well what the best do for you You guys are here now right yeah. so so nothing's happened so and they'll say uh, you know they'll ask me what kind of therapy do we do and i say well we do vestibular rehabilitation we oh we did it didn't work mm-hmm. and i said well what, what did you guys do did did your did your son do this oh yeah we did this exercise uh my son's been doing that exercise for six months i go you know why your son's still sick goes because that's the wrong exercise mm-hmm. okay so there's a hierarchy of ex- this is what what's so uh, uh um unique and and very like specific for every single patient okay you cannot give a canned uh treatment protocol for these patients okay this exercise that i'm telling you this is like me telling you look uh mo i want you to go lift 500 pounds right now you say well i can't do it i go i want you to do it this is the 500 pound exercise (laughs) you need to lift five pounds you need to we need to build from the foundation it's like you're living in the penthouse and your and your foundation is crumbling so when we do these therapies and these exercises they seem so simplistic and so benign but this is where we got to start we got to start from a point where your your nervous system is allowed to even accept some of this therapy okay and we'll try one or two or three things if this patient okay we're going to get diagnostic objective findings and say okay today you know your 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 eye movements to the left are one out of ten uh you know your frontal lobe is functioning out of three out of ten your brain stems a two out of ten your cerebellum on the left is a one out of ten and two weeks later uh we're going to repeat all these tests again 
Okay, I just need 10 days. You've been suffering for five years. Give me 10 days, okay? And you're going to pick, you tell me what is the one thing, not that we're only going to treat one thing, but what is the one thing that you want? If I had a magic wand right now and I could get rid of one thing, what would it be? So uh, I got these headaches are 7 out of 10 every day, between 4 to 8 out of 10. I'll say, okay, look, our goal is to get you down to a 1 or 2 out of 10 in the next 10 days, okay? You come back, and I'm going to show you objectively that every one of these objective biomarkers got better. You're going to see it with your own eyes. It's on video. So you can see it. And you say, yeah, Doc, I see I see my eyes are better. This is better. My balance is better. My, my latencies are better. My hand-eye coordination is better. My headaches are still 8, eight out of 10. You know what we do? Next, Dr. George, off the list, and you're out. Okay, because I can't help you. What we do works quickly. I'm not going to treat you for three months and say, well, Mo, that didn't work. Let's throw another dart over here and see if this works. You know, it's just not, it's socially not responsible to do this. We are looking for, uh, uh, we don't want to treat kids with concussions. We want to treat, we don't want to treat NHLers with concussions. We don't want to treat anybody with it. We want to optimize their efficiency so they avoid getting these hits, like what you were talking about, all the time. And it's really, it's not that hard, okay? But you need to, you know, somebody's got to take a step and say, okay, I want to see where am I at optimally. Tell everybody, like I, t- I, t- I tell everyone all the time, like concussions is a very small piece of, of what we do. Of what yeah. you do, yeah. yeah. Can you tell everybody like yeah. what what yeah. you treat? So, Can so, you run that gamut? Yeah. I mean, because we, we so every every or like our first day that you come in. First of all, the the paperwork's like we're trying to cut back on it, but it's about eighteen to twenty pages long. The first day you come in is a three hour exam and diagnostic testing. Okay, and and some of these people are burnt out, but every exam and every diagnostic test is the same for almost every single patient and we treat what we find now if you're coming in you could have parkinson's you could have you know uh migraines you can have concussion you can have brain fog uh cognitive decline auto accidents i'm an accountant i can't add numbers now we treat kids with add adhd um, we treat uh, we treat a whole bunch of uh, dysautonomia, which is huge, huge, and a lot of people don't know what that is. But that's where the autonom- that is like the the foundation of the of the nervous system. That's the brakes and the and the gas of the nervous system. When you get this dysautonomia, and we have you know girls and boys that have concussions or get these viral infections, uh, where they're they're sitting there, their resting heart rate's 150, 160 beats a minute. They're sitting. Okay, and and they're wondering, I can't get out of bed. And then the school said, we think that they're faking it. They mm-hmm. go to these big university hospitals and they say, you've got what's called a functional uh, neurologic disorder, mm-hmm. which is basically, you know, you're. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a real thing, but we don't have an answer. So we're just going to label it this. So go find whatever it is, right? Swipe so, your insurance card and take an MRI just for. And the yeah, MRIs yeah. for concussions and stuff, they, they don't, they'll, like I said, unless you have a, you know, subdural hematoma lesion. or skull fracture or some sort of, you know, lesion that'll come up, it's, everything is physiologic. So this is, we treat physiologic lesions. We don't treat ablative lesions where, you know, any, anybody can throw up an MRI and say, oh, look at this walnut that's in there. What, that doesn't look like the other side, right? So <clears throat> here's one of the scariest things that I've come to learn, learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. Imagine if your son or daughter um, is trying to go to school after a head injury, suffering from concentration issues, light sensitivity, short-term, long-term memory loss, uh, slurred speech, 
um, processing problems. Uh, it's going to be um, next to impossible fatigue to learn. Yeah, sure. You know, um, so now you have your son or daughter who's missed a month of school and school moves quickly. That's one of the biggest stats that I loved of the University of Cincinnati is that their GPA, guess what? Through the very high. Has been yeah. the highest, the highest across NCAA sports for mm-hmm. the last six years. Weird. Is this a coincidence? I don't think so. No, it can't. Be. I do not think so. Look, if you if your you eyes know? can't jump from word to word when you read, okay, then you're gonna skip words and you're gonna read a paragraph for two or twenty minutes. Go, geez, I just read for twenty minutes. I don't even I gotta go back and read it again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's tracking. That is just mm-hmm. tracking the words. And if your eyes are jumping because you had a concussion, uh, and it was never paid. like you can look at me right now, but you have something to focus on. But if we put you in the dark and say, okay, Mo, I want you to keep your eyes open, which is a test we're going to do for you, and your eyes are just going boom, boom, and they're just moving, your brain gets confused. And it's exactly like, have you ever been in, uh, the way I describe it to parents sometimes, because it's kind of hard for them to understand is, have you ever been in a car where you're sitting there with your foot on the brake and it's a red light and you're just waiting for the red light to turn green and you got your foot on the brake and this car next to you kind of starts sliding backwards and you slam your foot on the brake thinking you're moving? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's called a sensory mismatch. Okay. Interesting. You executed a motor output for no reason because your brain was confused. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now imagine that you have this problem, but you can see. Okay. You can see and you can focus on stuff. Well, you're doing this 24 seven. You're moving, you're jiggling, you're, you've got awkward balance. You're going to have a higher incidence of falls. You're going to have, uh, uh, you're going to be have tight neck muscles. If your eyes are moving, okay. Your brain thinks that your head is moving. Okay. And if you're sitting there and your vestibular system's saying, He's not moving at all. He's just sitting there. Nothing's happening. Your proprioceptive system says he's sitting in the chair. He's not moving. But your eyes are kind of trying to stabilize this movement. Your brain says, hey, we think that Moe's falling. We need to stabilize his head on his body. The only way we can do it is tighten these neck muscles up. And then you go, oh, my neck's tight. My neck's sore. So what do you do? My neck's tight. My neck's sore. I go to a massage therapist. I go to a chiropractor. I'll go to a physical therapist. And what do you complain about? You complain about neck pain. Mm -hmm. You go get the massage, okay? You go get the manipulation adjusted, whatever, and all of a sudden you feel pretty good. The next day your symptoms come back tenfold. Why? Because the compensatory mechanism, which was this tightening of these muscles, uh, was was released now. Okay, so now you're going back to uh, 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 you're going back to all your symptoms, and the reason that that happened is because. It wasn't the neck that was the problem. It was your eyes that are the problem. And your eyes, are they, we have to stabilize that gaze. If you can't gaze fixate or gaze stabilize, you're going to have a lot of trouble getting better for any any problem, whether it's concussion or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. or, or I mean, these are all progressive yeah. neurogen, neurodegenerative disorders. But, you know, and the only thing we can do for those, really, is you're going down that highway, 90 miles an hour, Parkinson's or uh, dementia or Alzheimer's, okay? The only thing we can do is slow it down a little bit we can't reverse it we can't really do but yeah but there's stuff that you can do and hopefully you can catch it at a much earlier date than you know when you're 65 and you go yeah. man i'm forgetting my children's uh-huh. names you know that's another big misnomer i think like there's a lot of people out there selling alzheimer's selling change your diet and and stave it off <laughs> doesn't exist you know, like I talked to John Crary at Mount Sinai. He's a tau, tauopathy expert. He looked at me in the eye. He said, go eat Burger King. Mm-hmm. 
if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. Yeah. You know, like there's literally nothing we can do right now. And neurodegenerative diseases run in my family. This is why I'm also so passionate about it, right? Um, my grandmother passed. Her two sisters passed. Her brother passed. So they definitely run in my family. And if repetitive head trauma speeds that process up, you know, I'm, I'm hoping... I'm hoping it doesn't, but what I've been told by experts who I trust is if you are genetically made up to get it, you're you're going to get it. Exactly going to get you it. You know? Well, uh, that's like, ah, for me, I'm like, yeah. Like, I want to hear that. Tell me the real stuff. Yeah. You know? Don't like, sugarcoat it to no, you. No. Don't tell me I could change my diet and I'm doing that. And, like, tell me actually what's going on. Obviously, changing your diet. We know about the gut brain axis like it's it's huge you know a lot of people wake up with anxiety and they'll move through their whole day well did you drink a bottle of water when you got up are you hydrated did you eat something what is your you know? what is your routine now so because you were an athlete for all of your life and then you stopped it what's your routine because i'm sure that <laughs> probably was a, a tough stop for you too yeah um in the beginning i tried staying home and just trying to enjoy my kids and it's just not enough yep. you know i'm uh, i'm a high operating individual and and i have been for a long time and i have a busy busy mind you know that's me you know um i was always a really good student and so but i always like to focus on three or four different things i didn't play one sport i played badminton i, I did track and field i did soccer i did hockey i did everything i could and it's no different especially so, like, you get up at 9 a.m., you're a hockey player for 12 years, you're ripping around the ice at 35 miles an hour, catching a pass, cross ice on your backhand, getting your head up, trying to beat a defenseman. You beat the defenseman, maybe if you're lucky, there's another guy that you're spotting, you make a decision, pass to him, don't pass to him, okay, now you got your head on the goalie, you're like, oh, is he going down, are you going up? And all of this is happening in two seconds. Yeah. Boo, 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 Firing, right? Your brain is firing. Um, when that's not happening anymore... And then you compound that with you lose the community, so you yeah. can't talk to anybody about it. Um, you know, it's difficult. I, I turned to substances to numb it out. And then when I was ready to uh, finally face it, um, you implement things in your life that you believe in. And um, I believe in this foundation. I believe in educating people through an informal process. And um, I believe in some other things that I haven't told people, and I'm not going to tell anybody until they're done. You know, because um, you got to protect yourself. You know, you really do. As a former athlete, when you're not in that community anymore, you you um, you got to move through this world uh, a little more cautiously than than others. And um, you also have to be really educated. You know, I've I've made it a point to read a lot. I write, which is is uh, wonderful for me. Um, you know, writing a book and selling something to Netflix now and um, you know, I just did a couple episodes at the Players' Tribune on talking to different athletes about uh, what concussions are and let's humanize this thing. And what were your symptoms? Oh, really? They're the same as the car accident concussion? You know, so people can start connecting these dots. I was going to say, you put it in layman's terms really well. And you've explained, even for this hour, hour and a half we've been on, your struggles so well. I was going to say, you should write a book on this, but... Sounds like you're. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, do I'm, that Yeah, it's something I want to do so that, you know, you can just reference. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you're a hypocrite. 
no, I'm not. Go buy mm. my book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you can get to know who I am. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in not having collision sports. I think collision sports are going to stay. I think they need to. Yeah. You know, like, what are you going to replace head trauma with uh, cardiovascular disease? You know, yeah. like, so, but there's things to do to make sure that when that kid, because he's a kid, he's 18, signs on the dotted line, he needs to understand the risks of doing his job. Just like somebody that worked with asbestos. You know, or works in a chemical plant. Here are the chemicals you're working with. Here are the risks. If you want to monetize that, go ahead. That's the decision that they took out of my hands. Right. You know, and that's where the frustration some days comes from. But that's also where the intensity comes from. Sure. Because they're still not getting that education, right? So until that happens, then you want to sign, you want to monetize that, put some protocols in, you know, to make teams like individually teams more attractive to superstar players. Oh, we're going to take care of you. Come to our team. Man, that would be that'd be a big sell for me where I'm going to where do I want to sign next year? Yeah. There's so many things to be done, you know. It, so It's almost like not only are they not educating it, it's almost they're blinding people to it. They're they're, they're yeah. purposely almost blinding it. So it's it's not even just it's a step I think more negligent than non-education, at least until recently when more and more People like you and Dr. George are coming out and talking about this yeah. stuff. It was a blinding effect, not so much even a lack of education. Look, at, so I just did a brain damage timeline read, and I'm going to put that out on my YouTube channel. But uh, I think the first, I might get the year wrong, but the first um, uh, the first time CT was introduced into the medical literature was 1933 or 1943. Um, and all the way up, it was known as punch drunk. Mm -hmm. yeah. Dementia, pugilistica, you know, yeah. like we know about this stuff. Then all of a sudden, 1989 to 2003, the height of the NFL and the NHL's popularity, no more studies. It's Nothing. Crazy. There's a big gap. You start digging in, man. You start. I implore people to like know where you are getting your information from. You have to know where you're getting your information from. you got to know that, wow, the NFL and the NHL actually went outside of North America to appoint somebody, the head of their you know, head, neck, and spine committee and consensus group. Why'd they do that? <laughs> Harder to find a doctor who's running that in Australia than it is here in North yeah. America. Sure. There's reasons why they took steps. There's reasons why the NHLPA and the NHL withheld the actual term dementia off of a poster that was supposed to be in all the rinks, you got to give the guys the right information, you know, even so that I could stop doing this, you know, like, yeah. so I could move <laughs> so, on. Yeah. Please help me out, you know, like, uh, so, and when that happens, then can't do this anymore. Yep. Now they know the information. They signed on the dotted line. They're getting some pretty decent care. And if they're not, I'm confident that they can go elsewhere to get it in the summers yeah. when their contracts are over. I've sent over 30 or 40 guys to certain clinics because when you're not under the care and you're not under contract, you can go wherever, wherever you, want. you want. When you're in the season or playoffs, you cannot. And hopefully the insurance is covered. Doctor, what, what got you into, because you said you've been a neurologist for a long time or a, a chiropractor for a long time. What got you into chiropractic neurology? So um, that's a pretty interesting story. When I, uh, we moved into a new building 
and uh, so I'd start getting a whole bunch of mail. And so one of the uh, one of the uh, flyers uh, that I received was um, uh, it said, "Do you want to treat like migraines and ADD and ADHD, ticks, Tourette's?" And my daughter had Tourette's. And so I look at this thing and go, wait a second. You know, we, they, they, uh, we'd gone through to the pediatrician and said she had some, some like neck ter- uh, ticks that she had. And, uh, and so the pediatrician sent us to a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist said, we want to put her on the smallest dose of this anti-schizophrenic uh, drug. I go, what? Hmm. I go, that's crazy. But my wife said, well, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. So it, we ended up putting her on for one day. She came down the next day, and she was, like, just, like, awful. Hmm. And she goes, I'd rather have the ticks than, than, than take this medication. So we took her off. And then so I called this guy up, and he was a chiropractic neurologist up in Wisconsin. I said, hey, man, and I go, what's, what's this all about? He goes, well, no, I can, I can teach you how to do this stuff, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And, uh, and um, so I ended up buying his program. Okay, it was like 4000 bucks, And he says, this is what I'm going to do for you. You're going to buy the program. You're going to do the whole thing. And, uh, and uh, if you don't like it for the next six, mo- next six months, just return it. I'll give you all your money back. And so I bought it just to treat my daughter, find out what this was all about. Anyway, I learned this program inside out. It was like just a manual or something. So I called the guy up five weeks later. I said, hey, I can teach this class. What do I do now? He goes, what do you mean? What do you do? And and he and I said uh, I said you know what do I do what what's the next step he said what do you want to treat I said how about migraines I'll treat migraines because that's like I used to refer all my migraines out because it was like hit or miss for me and so he said okay I want you to go pick five uh, migraine patients that you sent out and uh, I promise you they still have migraines and so I picked out a couple of hard ones but there's one lady in particular she had migraines 27 years. 20 days a month in mm. bed, okay? She couldn't get out of bed for 20, 20 days a month. And uh, So anyway, I called her up. I said, hey, Barb, I want you to come in. I'm going to treat you for free for the next two weeks. Just come on. I, I need to see if this works. So by about the 11th day, she was like complaining about knee pain. She goes, when are you going to fix my knee? Mm-hmm. Said, Barbara, how's your migraines? She goes, oh, they're gone. But 27 days, uh, 27, uh, 27 years are totally gone. So then I called the guy up. I go, holy mackerel, dude. This thing is really for legit. He goes, Look, what I've got here is like nothing. He goes, this is like, this is baby food. He goes, if you really want to learn this stuff, he goes, you have to call the Carrick. You got to get a hold of Ted Carrick. I go, who's Ted Carrick? And he said, you know, he's like the father of, uh, of chiropractic neurology. He goes, call him, go take, start taking the course now. That was 2008. I have not been home, okay, like no joke. Every month for the last 11 years, I've been out of town learning this stuff it's incredible and, and we it's treated amazing. my daughter my daughter's like 95 percent better my actually one of uh, i will do a, give a shout out to dr mark ellis who's huge he treated my daughter in atlanta uh, because her ticks got so bad and i was like all freaked out and he treated her in 45 minutes basically eliminated her her tourette's and that's the, stuff the, that's the yeah. thing too like 45 we t- minutes we talk like this yeah. you know and like and people that's where some people are like, yeah. Ah, yeah it's bullshit it's yeah a, this like, is legit, dude. This yeah, is I saw it with my own I mean, eyes. Okay, if I had this, I videotaped her too. With my own daughter, I, I took her. She had gone to Greece. Okay, she was a U of I student, and uh, and she had these. She ended up getting the, the, she went, when she was under stress doing some finals. Her her ticks ended up going from a motor tick to a vocal tick where she'd hiccup, 
and her hiccups are like one every two seconds. She just go <laughs> every two seconds. So when she's done her final, she ended up going to uh, to Greece for ten days. By the time and I and I was given some glasses that some guy told me to have have her wear. And I said, okay, you can go, but you got to wear these glasses with these lights flashing and so on and so forth. Anyway, so I gave her the glasses. Uh, by the time she landed in Europe, her ticks were 120 ticks a minute. Oh, Hiccups, right? So now my wife's freaked out. My daughters are other all freaked out. You got to call Carrick. You got to get him. Uh, got it. She's got. He's got to see. She's got to see Carrick. And so anyway, so Trish, uh, uh, Trish uh, Carrick, she um, said, well, my dad's in France. Go see Mark. Ellis, this guy. And so she flew back 10 days later from Chicago, went the next day to Atlanta, 45 minutes after that first appointment. I mean, he did exactly what we do now, but he did it in like, you know, eight, nine years ago. Done. I mean, totally, totally gone in 45 minutes. She was reading, no hiccups, no, no movements, no nothing. And yeah, Mark, Mark in May, when I was down at uh, ISCN, uh, he showed me a study, a 10-week study of reversing the signs of early onset uh, dementia through this same protocol. Yeah. Um, it was a male, and he could. He was instructed to write a clock. I've got the three right. pictures on my phone. <clears throat> you barely get a circle there, and I think he maybe got uh, one dot Seven. in there, and then the one, two, three, no hands or anything. And then after I think it was six weeks of treatment, he went back and okay, tried to draw a clock again. So he did the same thing: circle one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, small dot in the middle. Big hand, right? So he's still missing the little hand and six other numbers at the end of 10 weeks. He drew a full clock. You know, so like, and there's research That's out a, there. That, that sounds pretty, pretty, pretty small. Yeah. It's, it's gargantuan. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And it's like, yeah. we're talking about miracles and I don't talk about the miracles, right? I try to like stay on point because it's, it's, it's hard enough yeah. for people to understand. But um, one of the miracles of, like why I'm on this path, you just heard about why he's on this path was was Steve, you know, and Steve introduced me and then Steve's death and then seeing the deterioration firsthand and uh, and then almost dying from the same thing. And um, you can't, I can't move forward in life without trying to get as many people into, you know, professionals like Dr. George, not only because of their the work that they do, but because there's a lot of other people that are selling snake oil, right, that claim to know this stuff and they don't so it's always Carrick trained Carrick trained right. Carrick trained Carrick trained and um, and you have a chance at getting better and first time I went to Atlanta with the Carrick Institute I watched um, there was a waiting room so there was about 20 people and you kind of move through it's like a bit of a carousel and you're at stations and uh, there was a lady there who was in a wheelchair she'd been there for almost um, I want to say like two or three months mm -hmm. took a few steps that you know, the Monday or Tuesday, and she's starting to come around. And a lot of these people have been there. I was only there for five days, but a lot of these people have been there for some of the months, you know, like talking to each other every day as their loved ones going through the protocols. And um, a few steps on the Monday, a few more steps on the Tuesday, more steps on the Wednesday. By Friday, she's walking back and forth to and from her wheelchair. She said she hadn't walked in 47 years. Wow. The whole waiting room's bawling their eyes out. I'm looking around. I'm like, what? That's pretty well, incredible. I mean, you know, what yeah. is this? You know, like, and uh, it's, oh uh, yeah, it's it's amazing, you know. And when you understand it in Lay's terms, or when you try to, you know, digest it, and George explains it really well, um, it's e it's easy, it's it's easy stuff, you know. Yeah. Like, just dive into like 
there's got to be a brain for a book for dummies, you know, just like what your brain <laughs> operates, you know, seriously. It, you and know? it's such a complex thing, your brain. My dad's a cardiologist. He always mm. says this. He goes, a heart is a relatively simple thing. He goes, a brain is a very complex thing. You as a professional athlete, you train so much of your body from cardiovascular to, you know, your your legs, your, your speed and so many different things. And so few people think you can train your brain mm. and then help it recover too when yeah. it needs it. it mm. It's... It's the, fascinating. The, the amazing thing is, fascinating. Is, that, is that the heart is a predictor of brain of brain health. So, really? uh, yeah, with heart rate variability, right? So you need that variability because every time the heart pumps, 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 right? It's not If it's 60 beats a minute, it's not pumping every one second. It's pumping 0 0.9, 0 0.98, 1.07, 0 0.93. So, so there's a variability, and this tells you the integrity of that autonomic nervous system. So, so if you're if you're oh, if you're beating every one second, boom, 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 you're flatline. Uh -huh. You're you're ready to die. And this is a an early predictor of of, uh, of brain disease. So. As as he's cool. talking like yeah. right now, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, man, like. Um, I've, I basically lived, I think, the last 13 or 14 years with my autonomic system totally yeah, off. That's tough. Because the job we do, too, right? Think about the Sudafeds, the uppers, the Red Bulls, the... Yeah. Oh, man. And then the downers. workouts It's just... Sleep meds. Uh, it's, a, it's a roller coaster. You know, you get home at 11.30 and you're not hungry. You're sweating uncontrollably. You're supposed to go to sleep, but you're still wired, stimulated, overstimulated. And that cycle continues every other day for 185 days and then in the playoffs and then you get two months off and you repeat it so like just listening to you talk I'm like man and because i had a big problem with my autonomic system mm -hmm. you know some days i still do where i sweat you know for no reason and where my heart hurts racing for no reason right and so these are indicators now that i know that like my speech today hearing it in these headphones we got to get back you know i probably i gotta get back on it you know well, you have a lot of fans, Doctor, because you have uh, Best Doctor Ever from Thammy Remke. Kathy's commenting again. You got Carly saying George Smiley Face. You got a lot of fans here. <laughs> I think you've cured probably. Uh, I, owe, I owe them each five bucks, I think. <laughs> yeah. Pay I think they owe you 10. They owe you a testimonial. Yeah. Yeah, you know? right. You know, so that they could, you could get this information to more people. It's all. You so know. If somebody wants to come and see you, just call the office and yep. schedule. And you said the first one's a three-hour three-hour exam. Yeah, so they'll, exam. they'll be there for a while. And uh, so, should I give my number out? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So Plug yeah, it. we're in we're in Wooddale, Illinois, Neurologic Wellness Institute, six three zero seven six six one five five two. And we'll put that in the uh, comment section mm -hmm. as well, so people can give you guys a buzz because. I agree. I mean, obviously, for people who've had some sort of head trauma or are professional athletes in combat or contact sports, mm -hmm. you're doing incredible stuff. But like, like Daniel was saying, it could be for anybody. It could be for it's me, for, for anybody who's got any sort of ailment it's or wants to, yeah. Yeah, wants to perform at the top of their ability. Like police officers. Yeah, yeah. huge. Right? Huge. There's yeah. a lot of head trauma, repetitive head trauma in police work. These people are shooting guns through a sight line. Their, yeah. their, system, their system's off pretty serious yeah. you know yeah. so i talk a lot about firefighters military veterans um well, women of domestic violence child it, abuse mm -hmm. victims i mean there's you run the gamut and just that's just head trauma right so i've had a handful of race car drivers boxers jujitsu guys watching on for those guys 100 percent. i mean mm -hmm. I, I think now back and i do jujitsu but you know, boxing, I don't do very much of, but race car driving, you got so much movement from your hands to your feet to everything. And 
depth there's perception, depth perception speed, yeah. Yeah. Um, hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye yeah, the coordination. F1 guys are like that's where I look to. Oh, they're optimized. Yeah. That's where I looked to uh, when I was doing like the hand-eye drills. I looked to the F1 and Indy to get what they were doing. Yeah, because they're implementing some pretty amazing stuff with like the D2 and fit light systems. Um, so it's uh, there's. There's, there's information coming out every day, like I said, you know, every week there's new studies. And so, um, for at least that's that, optimistic. Yeah, least, yeah, for sure. And yeah. from the right people too. Right. And, and, uh, evidence-based, there's a yeah. lot of evidence-based data on this very thing that we're talking yeah. about, you know, uh, a lot of medical pla- papers written and, and reviewed. So yeah. I would just implore people. We do. Yeah. yeah. To look everything at we do it, is evidence-based, you know? right? It's not yeah. like, you know, we make it up. This is like in PubMed. Okay, it's a simple search. You can get it. It's easy, and um, and I'm you stuff. know I'm I don't work for the Carrick Institute. Yeah, there's no I don't have any monetized relationships. And for year two of my program, there's a reason for that. Yeah. You know, and I'm so I'm just a guy who's been seriously impacted um, by this treatment. You yeah, know, by what life. they do, they've saved my life, no doubt. You know, I, I really, I wouldn't be here, you know. What's your favorite NHL moment? Shifting gears a little bit. Uh, I think, like, making the playlists. Yeah. You know, like, that stressed me out more than than the games, to be honest. Really? Yeah, well, you're trying to appease, like, Sharpie with yeah. Pearl Jam or, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, Crawford with, with the beats, the heavy beats, and Johnny with... You know, some country or audio slave type of stuff. And well, he really liked Arcade Fire, but you just want to, you know, you get a certain amount of allotted time. And I, I really liked interacting. You know, I really, I think I, I had such a difficult time with transition because camaraderie was gone. I loved the community. You know, it wasn't so much about hockey for me as it was about doing something together and working towards like a goal. And we're all on the same page. And I had a role in that, however small, however big. It was a role, and sometimes it was just playing the music. I wasn't even in the lineup, you know, and I tried to excel at it, you know. Yeah. I tried to make everybody happy and take that stress away from these guys who are in a big city making a lot of money, you know, and music is one of the tools that I use, too, in, in, when I'm experiencing, when I'm having a bad day. I got a lot of vinyl, and I put on vinyl, and or I put on my headphones, and I go cut the grass, or I, I try to do something that keeps me in the moment, you know, when you're having those thoughts of, Wait, what? In ten years, like no, you know, come back, stay in the moment, don't let your mind race off, and um, try to enjoy my kids. And but uh, yeah, man, I miss, I do miss, miss those guys, you know. Yeah. Um, and I have somewhat alienated myself from that organization, so it's. Uh, but I still hang out with those guys, you yeah. know. I just don't go to. I don't get invited to the convention or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Well, I think you're doing it for a much, much big, bigger, greater good than uh, than going to the convention. What you're doing is probably going to open the eyes of so many people. It's opened my eyes. I'm sure it's opened John's, anybody mm-hmm. who's listening. But um, I would tell anybody, go watch that video on your foundation's page. It's one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. And I think what you're doing, Dr. George is doing, really has to have a bigger platform. And I, I love that you're doing it because you have a big platform, but athletes 
currently playing. I know for them it's a little bit more difficult to speak out, but any athletes not playing anymore, they got to get behind this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I would just I would say like speaking to if there's any men or even women out there that are you know sitting on their couch suffering, um, experiencing these types of symptoms, uh, you know, anxiety. Depression, suicidal ideation, headaches, migraines, head pressure, uh, difficulty concentrating, fatigue, um, insomnia, oversleeping, uh, light sensitivity, you know, the slurred speech. If, if you're having any feeling off, feeling foggy, not yourself, um, look up what chiropractic neurology is and, and look up uh, the Carrick Institute and go on their website and check in their state or just hit me up on Twitter and um, I have a list of, of the guys uh, that, you know, that you can be referred to and um, don't wait, you know, try not to wait. And like in my situation, when my quality of life got bad enough that, uh, that I went and, and kind of seeked out help. Right. So try to um, empty that cup and uh, um, so you could be healthy enough to, you know, be present for your wife and, and your kids and, and your job and whatever you're trying to aspire to. It's really hard to do it. Yeah. Sick, you know, like yeah. it's, it's yeah, almost impossible. Yeah. I always say you got only one life to live. Um, try to live the best life you can. And I just, even myself, I would have never thought to go to somebody like Dr. George until today's conversation. And it, it doesn't make sense for anybody not to go be able to do that because as simple as not having good balance or as simple as, um, what we were just talking about with yeah. your heart rate, uh, not knowing that stuff to me seems like a completely silly thing. Setting aside, of course, an athlete should be coming to see guys like you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tried to ask as many questions as I could. Like when he was doing the exercises, like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, why are you doing that? Uh, That's gonna be me annoyed. too, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, it annoyed. Here's a probably annoyed that, him, and yeah. but no, I, I needed to I mean, because yeah. I mean, it just, keeps us on our toes too. Yeah, and, and you know for what? Me, so, like as an athlete, yeah. like when I was with my trainer, yeah. I was, why am I doing this, Jimmy? Why am I doing these squats? Well, it's going to help with your, you know, like yeah. you just always, for me, I needed to understand it because then I would do it to the best of my ability. If I didn't understand it, I was kind of fluffy with yeah. it, you know, and he was great with the <clears throat> communication aspect uh, of it. I think the big thing is, too, that five years ago was a totally different platform than it is today. And five years from now, there's we're, we're collecting research and, and data at our clinic, too, to publish, but... Five years from now, we'll be talking about other stuff and, and more advances. So it's it's rapidly progressing. And, and the whole key is a call for research, too. Everybody's got to, like our guys, my guys, my, you know, the, the fellows and the functional neurology and chiropractic neurologists need to get on the same page and, mm -hmm. and, and share data and publish it and say, hey, look, man, this is legit. This and is, on the terms, and, too, maybe. And, we can and, all come together terms, yeah. on, you know. Yeah. Is there a regulating body? No, for, for what? Just like chiropractic neurology? Just for anything, for yeah, there, like brain injuries. Like who oh, regulates, I, I, you know, it's like we don't grade concussions anymore. We grade traumatic brain injuries, right? Mm -hmm. Like who makes that decision? Is it still those 40 doctors? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe not those 40, but somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's got to be a grading. Everyone has to talk the same language, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so we have to know, and Dr. Carrick really harps on this too. He says, look, if you're going to be in this game, you better know what the language is, right? So, so, so we're all, you know, trying to speak the same language. So if I'm talking to an MD or I'm talking to a physical therapist or somebody, we all have to be speaking the same language, and because and this is a big platform, it's, it's yeah, huge. So, I mean, so. that's 
That's but, one of the reasons like why I haven't said a word until really only a year ago. So it's mm-hmm. like two and a half, almost three years of research, and then you can start talking about it. Because one wrong thing, yeah. like one of the things that I really had to research, what the differences were between a concussion, a traumatic brain injury, and CT. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know the difference. You know, like, do you know what a concussion is? No, not really. It's a list of symptoms that are derived from the actual event, which is the traumatic brain injury, the actual shearing of your white and gray matter, accelerating, decelerating of your brain. Yeah, you know, I don't CT I is just a neurodegenerative. No yeah. yeah. And so just explaining those two yeah. terms, I think, is useful, you know, and then, okay, well, you know, how do I know if I have a concussion? You know, well, if the I, symptoms I think the, last longer than. Yeah, I think you the know. big thing is, too, that, you know, um, you just need, everyone needs to get checked. Mm-hmm. You know, whether whether you have symptoms or don't have, whether if you're already something, something's going on, you should get, you should get. Brain Check health. and see. Yeah, brain yeah. Check these biomarkers. There's biomarkers there that we can affect and make better. Mm-hmm. Right. So whether it's, and, and it, and it, we can, we can, you know, go from, from the, tip of your fingers to the spinal cord to the cerebellum to the brainstem to the cortex <laughs> back down to the brainstem and th- these pathways they're there right we didn't make these pa- these are this is neuroanatomy like i said it's not it's not george anatomy right so yeah. this is the same stuff and so all we have to do it's it's almost like you have two four lane highways coming up both sides of your body you want to make sure they're going 100 miles an hour right? right but if one is going 100 and the other side's going 60 and it's only two lanes it's got four potholes on the way there this is the side we have to fix. We got to pave the pot. We got to fill in the potholes. We got to make that lane wider. Make sure that both sides are firing appropriately. And 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 you can see this quickly. You there's there's things that you can do uh, objectively, and uh, and with evidence based therapeutic activities and exercises to to get these uh, uh, patients better. I'm mad at myself for not knowing more about it because I feel like I read a lot, but you go and you get a physical once every year, two years. For me, to keep my racing license, it's every two years, and you just go get a physical, and mm-hmm. you do the uh, the eye chart, the 2020 eye yeah. chart, and you do a few other things, and they're like, okay, here you go. You're yeah. good to go drive mm-hmm. a car at 180 miles an hour, and yeah. best of luck. People should be getting your sort of checkup consistently not just a physical. Right. I'm not saying don't go get a physical, everybody. Mm-hmm. There's a couple doctors that are watching too. They're probably going to tell me, what are you talking about? <laughs> but why aren't you doing both is, is yeah. I guess, my question. People should. Yeah, especially now that it's, that it's uh, you especially know. Especially now th- when everybody's like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. Everybody does just kind of stare at it. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm, I, I, front of too, me, yeah. I have an iPad and I have a phone. And, yeah. I'm just lucky that, you know, without even knowing it, me and my trainer were training my hand eye and my peripherals and um and you know try to limit screen time but you can look at this you know this isn't for me it's an encyclopedia and so i am on it a lot i think just growing up if our um if we're centered on just here right and always here like right what about over here mm-hmm. we're seeing all these accidental hits i'm just you know, trying to make these these connections and assumptions to, you know, why we need it. And the kid's always on his phone and he's driving. It's true. Uh, might it's, not be seen. Might coming. not be safe, right? And so, um, I mean, if you want your kid to be sharper in school and a better memory and processing speed and concentration, why not? Why not do it? You know. So there's a lot of benefits. 
a lot of benefits. Um, I think, uh, you know, with the University of Cincinnati and with the data that Joe Clark has and the GPAs and cutting the concussion rate in football by 80%, he also does it with the basketball, baseball, and soccer teams there. They don't have a hockey team, but and it's sports specific. Sure. So you don't have like a right O lineman training here. Yeah. It's not a left O lineman. Where's yeah. he blocking? Here. So he has the guys on the on the back of the D two board training here, hitting the lights in their peripherals. So it's a big deal. Yeah, it's it's, it's sports specific deal, yeah. and it's um like it's really evidence super, based. Yeah. There's, oh, there's buddy, evidence there's, that it's working. His numbers yeah. are crazy. His his concussion numbers are crazy, and then his sport performance numbers are are off the charts because a couple coaches came in in that nine year period and pulled it from baseball and pulled it from football. What do you mm-hmm. think happened for one year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the concussions went back, yeah, back to ten a year, which is the the average in the NCAA. Baseball just real quickly when it was first implemented the year before they had twelve on field collisions, um, and. Uh, uh, they were 31st in the nation in hitting. They went to two on-field collisions the next year to second in the nation in hitting. Wow. Hand-eye, coordination, picking this up, reaction time, mm-hmm. processing speed, sharp. Coach came in two years later. Now, doesn't do anything. What do you think happened? Batting average. <laughs> Batting average right yeah. back up. Yeah. Collisions back back up. Um, so... I just yeah, don't know these... how it does it, how it can hurt. It can only help. No. Just sitting here as a layperson, yeah. it's not going to do anything but better you in some capacity. So for them not to implement it to me just seems like a absolutely insane thing. We have thing. muscles, right? We have six different muscles in our eyes. There's actually one yeah. called the oblique. Yep. Just like in your the, eye? Yeah, just yeah. like the obliques. The... Two, two obliques. Hopefully yeah. my <laughs> eye obliques are better than my yeah. <laughs> That's what obliques. I'm saying. You know? We'll find yeah. out. I didn't know that, you know? And then when I heard that, I'm like, makes sense, yeah. you know. Um, uh, really, but like really good eye obliques, and that'll be my <laughs> my Tinder profile. Come check out my eye obliques. Yeah, come check out my obliques. When you're not using muscles, what happens? They're weaken. Weak. Yeah. You lose them. Yeah, lose them. Yep. You know, like um, I went to uh, like part of my functional baseline last week with Joe and and. Uh, the optometrist is that I have a really pronounced forehead in my eyebrows and the top of my eyes are actually thinning. The lining of my eyes are thinning and they think it's because of anatomy. And then also I wasn't, I'm not a basketball player and I wasn't doing everything from down here or up here. Excuse me. I'm here and I'm down down. here and I'm down and I'm here and I'm down. Hmm. So I never used this. Interesting. So they think it's, one anatomy and then two the sport that i played i also and wonder if people now are going to have that because they just always look down there you go yeah. and then i'm going to bring him some some other hockey players because he's just he's never seen that before and he's really interested to see if that's common with us you know so like these are the types of things that are are happening with universities and joe clark will train anybody that goes there he's in uh he's in education you know, he's and he's independent. That's the best thing, man. Yeah. He's yeah. independent from the University of Cincinnati. So nobody can tell him he can or nope. can't. Nope. And Very three good. people have to either yay or nay somebody coming back from concussion. Two of them work for the university. Joe does not. That's that's really that's, that's the special sauce, you know, like having somebody independent right. from these teams who has 
you know, these leagues don't want that. Not right now, anyway. Hopefully, we'll see that. You know, because um, if the Blackhawks can implement, like, the GGT test that was created by a strength and conditioning coach and an athletic trainer or therapist, and I have to physically go through that test to pass it for them to clear me to play, that's not a league-wide test. That was specific to the Blackhawks. So if they can implement something like that, then they can damn well implement something better. Sure. Right? Something better, a functional baseline, multimodal approach. You know, so team to team now, now you you have to start holding teams accountable. You know, like specifically teams and maybe not so much, maybe not so much the NHL. You know, maybe it isn't their problem to do it. Maybe it is the teams within um, their organization. Well, if the teams implement it and those players start to do better and they're healthier, then... um, And you track the data, just like the University mm -hmm. of Cincinnati did, guess what everybody's going to be doing? They're going to hop on board. do it. As soon as the Blackhawks do it, they're going to hop. Everybody else does it. As soon as the Leafs do something, everybody else does it. That's just the way that league is. Yeah. You know, um, you don't want to be left behind. John, you got a question? You're pointing uh, at me. Yeah, actually, I saw I you out of my peripheral. <laughs> oh, nice. Mm-hmm. He's training them. Very good. Uh, well, one of the questions I have is asked by a viewer, and he wants to know as far as concussions and if there is a correlation with PTSD. Now, I know what PTSD is, but I don't know the ins and outs, and if, if they hold hands at all. So I, I both of you, please yeah. weigh in. I mean, there's, like in the military, there's a lot, like those high-impact blasts mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, those, what do they call those IEDs? That, IEDs, yeah. That, that blow up. Those, those are a different type of, uh, uh, of blast. Blast injuries can cause a lot of PTSD, mm-hmm. and this is, a, uh, this is very common, but there is definitely a correlation. For sure, yeah. yeah. So, there's a lot. There's a lot of research yeah. on that. And whoever asked that question, I implore you to go to Joe Rogan Experience. Look mm. up uh, the episode 1056 with Andrew Marr and Mark Gordon. Um, I just sent my blood to Mark Gordon. He's an endocrinologist uh, who specializes in looking at veterans for TBI. I want to check my hormones. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever mentioned that to me. Yeah. To check your hormones in your pituitary gland. Yeah, I mean, this is where the you torsional know, impact, a lot, a lot of these torsional impact, you're going to, that pituitary stock is going to, even a car accident, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to affect the, that hormonal and imbalance. what does your pituitary gland regulate? Everything, pretty much. Yeah. So Homo, if that's off, there's a whole bunch of other things that are off. Low testosterone is, is pretty common in what he's found with. Mm-hmm. He's treated over 2,000 TBI um, war veterans. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and with some some stuff like simple shots of natural testosterone, he's gotten he's got results. Their, yes, he's gotten some pretty amazing results. So, Fantastic. I yeah, I listen to that. Yeah, um, we do a podcast lot. Yeah, and, we listen uh, to Joe a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. And so I immediately called up Mark, and um, <laughs> for me, I wasn't you know I'm not a veteran, and uh, I will say it's not cheap, um, but. I want to learn from as many of the experts as I can. Sure. And um, that's one of the things that makes a lot of sense to me is to check, even though building new neurological pathways saved my life, which is mm-hmm. functional neurology. Man, you should check your hormones. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you have a history yeah. of repetitive head trauma, just straight up. Yeah. Uh, secondly, this is more for you, Daniel. Mm. Um, so the foundation 
several points during the show, I put up uh, the graphic with the, the website address. So can we just get a quick from you, a real quick overview? Are there events? Are there things that we can do to help support, buy tickets? Do you put things together like that? Are those in the works? Anything along those lines that we can talk about the foundation? Yeah, that's coming. Um, right now, it's just a, it's a landing page. Um, we're working in behind the scenes uh, with a consulting company to okay. basically put in our a new board of directors and uh, all of the good stuff that comes with a 501c3 and a mm -hmm. not-for-profit. Um, I am thinking about doing something in the spring-summer, okay. uh, an event. Um, I was thinking about a walk, but... I'm going to coordinate that. I'm going to do something here in Chicago and also do something uh, in Toronto and then land in front of the NHLPA offices for some interviews. And um, But, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll keep everybody posted on that. Cool. And, uh, follow me um, on, on Twitter and, uh, and on Instagram for updates about sure. Chapter 5. Um, but, yeah, we, we raised a lot of really uh, good money in, um, when I donated my Stanley Cup day. And I stayed here, and all of that went to starting Chapter 5. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And uh, so, yeah, we, we will be having more events in the future, for sure. Okay. And definitely for anybody, and we've gone pretty long, I'll be respectful of both your times. I really appreciate the two of you guys coming in here and talking about this. Uh, I'm fascinated by it now. I've learned a lot, I think, in two hours. And, Daniel, to you, I, you – I know you probably won't consider yourself this as an expert, but you've learned so much – what you're doing is such a big move in the right direction for athletes, especially who are dealing with some of the things that you dealt with um, both during your career and after. So kudos to you. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of my friends who've boxed and done MMA and stuff. And I think what you're doing affects so many different sports, NHL, NFL. We spoke about soccer. I never thought yeah. about soccer, brain yeah. trauma from uh, soccer balls, but appreciate that. That's a big, big thing you're doing. Thanks, man. And, yeah, I appreciate it. And, like, females, too. Yeah. There needs to be more studies on, done on females because mm -hmm. female anatomy is totally different, right? And um, the strength of their neck muscles makes them more susceptible to head trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just want to throw that out there, that yeah. uh, Pink Concussions is a really uh, great organization to follow um, on Twitter, uh, and she's helped me out a lot, like, with the differences of uh, – you know, domestic violence, uh, abuse, and, and um, females in sport and female brain injury victims specifically. Yeah, a lot of them do uh, play some of the similar sports from boxing to MMA now, hockey, mm. football. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it's crazy to think that their anatomy would be anything similar to ours, very different. Yeah. Sure. And I know Dr. George was saying my anatomy as a guy to Daniel's might be completely different and how we'd get treated would be very different. And then especially if you add John in the mix, it's all different. And yeah. Everyone's different. Mm -hmm. Doctor, you're very well loved because we got another, we love Dr. George. He's the <laughs> bomb. Congrats cousin. I'm guessing that's your cousin because of the Greek last name, John. John. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Thank you to you both for taking the time to come on today. Thanks Doctor, much. I'm going to see yeah. you soon. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to come get checked out. And, uh, Daniel, whatever we can do to help, happy to help. Um, excited to keep following what you're doing on social media. And whether it's a walk, a run, or uh, an event, let us know. We'd love to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate really, you guys having me on. We really Absolutely appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, sure. John, what do we got coming up? Well, let's take a look. What we've got coming up. So 
everybody knows that uh, next Tuesday is the mayoral election between uh, Lori and Tony. So while the campaigns were going on, uh, one person, Gary McCarthy, came in, sat down with us for an hour and a half, talked about just about anything we threw his way and answered a lot of questions and such. And so I reached out to him and I simply said, listen, I know that you're not a lifelong politician. Uh, I'd like to know your take now that you've been in the mayoral race. I want to get a glimpse of the politics of politics in Chicago and see what you can share with us uh, as far as from your run for mayor and, and things you learned, things that surprised you. And uh, so we're going to do Monday night, 7.30, the night before the election. We're going to do a sit-down with Gary McCarthy, prime time, and uh, talk to him, but more listen to him about the things that he learned as he was going through the whole mayoral campaign uh, situation. And he may want to share some stories about... Uh, Lori and Tony, he may not want to. I don't know. It's a, his comfort level. But uh, that's what we have coming up. Cool. We have another great show on Wednesday. We'll announce those guests Monday night. Uh, but for right now, Monday night's our first time we're doing primetime. Looking forward to that. Uh, 7.30 p.m. We're going to be right back here on Facebook Live with Gary McCarthy. Very cool. Yeah, thank you to Gary for obviously coming on that last time when he was running and then giving us some time again to come chat absolutely. with us. Absolutely. He's a pretty and cool dude and yeah. uh, happy to hear from him again. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it very much. Well, this was a lot of fun. Again, thank you to today's guests. That was not just informative. It was uh, interesting and very cool to learn about. Um, absolutely. Um, the wheels are spinning. I like to read too. So I'm going to go home and probably turn my iPad on, even though I'm not supposed to stare at it that much and right. just read away because I'm fascinated now. So thank you guys for coming on. And I guess we'll see you guys Monday at seven 30 instead of uh, just Wednesday at three. Yep. We've got, uh, we'll, we're still going to have a show on, on Wednesday at three. Yep. want to make sure everybody but knows that Monday yeah. at seven 30 next. Yep. Thanks everybody. Then. In three, two, one.